Good morning. How are we? Good? Hot? I'm sweating. My, um, I have four girls, <clears throat> 16, 14, 10, and 7, and my 7-year-old decided yesterday that she was going to wear her new jacket she got. She just thinks it's so cool, you know, like the flannel situation. And I kept saying over and over, it's going to be 91 today. <laughs> and she just wanted to bring it everywhere we went. And she didn't wear it the whole time. But at our house anyways, we're lovers of fall, except my husband, he wants it to be this all the time. He wishes we lived in Arizona. Is there anyone like that? Arizona? Okay. Don't be shy. That's okay. You can, yeah, you can own that. He really likes to tell us about it. And my, specifically my oldest to him go at it because she's really ready. She was wearing sweaters like a week ago. And I was like, we're just, it's just not there. I know. (laughs) Oh, I always say um, that in Minnesota, talking about the weather isn't small talk because it like dictates our lives. Do you feel that? It's like, it's like real talk. (laughs) I don't know. know. You can agree or not. It doesn't matter. Um, So glad to be here with you today. I am a nonprofit executive director. I co-founded an anti-human trafficking nonprofit with my mom. Um, learned about human trafficking back in 2012. I also am a mom. I have four girls and a really chill, pretty chill husband and a high-maintenance boy dog. I don't know. He's very high-maintenance. Um, and that's a little bit about me. And today I'm just grateful to get to worship with you all. And I always um, amazes me and causes me to worship our Lord when believers come together in unity of worship and the Holy Spirit. And we have a we have a unity among us, don't we? Even though we don't know each other, we have that. And that's such a testimony to who God is and how He works. And I'm so grateful for that. Today we're going to be looking at um, the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4. But before we do that, I want to share a little bit about human trafficking. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to parallel um, our spiritual freedom with those who are in uh, physical, who need physical freedom, right? And they really go together. Uh, It's really what I've learned over the 10 plus years of doing anti-human trafficking work is that we are not just spiritual beings, and we're not just physical beings, right? We are both together. And I often think about the Lord's Prayer that we pray, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have this, we live in this tension where we, as followers of Jesus, we're kind of living in this already not yet, where we are set free. We sang about it this morning, and we live in freedom because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and he defeated death when he rose from the dead, and yet we're still living in a very bound up, broken world. And what I hope you get today, and what I hope you're inspired by and challenged by, is that we um, carry the Holy Spirit in us, and we get to be ambassadors of that freedom into the world around us. We get to be a part of bringing God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven already. Um, Ever since I was 10 years old and I first met Jesus, my heart has been that people know him like I do, because he changes everything, doesn't he? And when I first learned about human trafficking, which is a $150 billion industry, every single year we are selling human beings at a higher rate than we're selling drugs and guns. Actually, in 2020, human trafficking overtook drugs and guns as the largest criminal enterprise in the world. 
And when I first learned about human trafficking, um, I don't have a personal connection to it in that I didn't know anyone that was trafficked. I have not been trafficked or exploited. I'm not a survivor. And oftentimes you'll see people who fight this issue or who do, you know, justice-oriented nonprofit work that they have a personal connection. And I really didn't. I was on a road trip with my mom and my dad was driving. We were going to a wedding of a family friend and my mom got a free book on her Kindle and it was about human trafficking. And it was a moment with me and Jesus where I said, this is horrible. Why is this happening in our world today? Something has to be done. And God said, yeah, what are we going to do about that? I was like, I don't know, Lord. (laughs) And that was the beginning of this journey. But as I began to learn about human trafficking, I realized something. I realized that the story of somebody who is trafficked, who is um, lured and into an exploitive, abusive relationship is very similar to the story of who I call our great trafficker, which is the sat- was Satan, the devil, our enemy. He, he promises one thing over here, and he dangles the carrot of uh, meeting our needs, giving us our wants and our desires in a way that is apart from God. And he says, come follow me, follow me over here. This might satisfy you. This might be what you need. This might be what you want. I have it for you. I have it all here. And it's not like the things that we we follow him to are bad necessarily, but it's who we follow there, right? It's do we follow Jesus to trust him to satisfy everything we need and to give us our wants and our desires um, and to cover our, our vulnerabilities? We're going to talk about that today. Or do we follow our savior or do we follow the enemy over here into a life of destruction and death and lies and sin and trapped, right? In a cycle of unhealth and death. And once I realized that this was really my story, not in a physical way, but in a spiritual way, it changed everything. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how people are being enslaved physically and how we have the answer spiritually and how it connects to the two. So we are going to be in Luke chapter 4, and I'm just going to go ahead and start reading at verse 16. And this is what it says. When he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came to set the captives free. This is at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. We know that previous to this, he was in the desert being tempted by our enemy, the devil. And then he started to go into the countryside and he started teaching. And he ends up in his hometown and he stands up in church, in his home church, right, in the synagogue. And he's handed this scroll of Isaiah and he starts to read these words. And can you just imagine being there and listening to Jesus reading prophecy about himself? It's powerful, right? And this morning, we're going to talk about four groups of people that we see in verses 18 through 19. And the four groups of people are the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. 
So first, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. What is the good news? Well, Jesus is the good news, right? He is bringing good news about himself, about the Messiah, about the Savior. It, he, it's his good story, the story of restoration, the story of redemption. And who are the poor? The poor, when we look at the original languages of Isaiah and of Luke, we see that the poor are the humble, the meek, the desperate, the beggars, those who crouch low, the hungry for God. The same word in Greek used here, um, good news to the poor, is also found in Matthew 5, 3, where it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know, in our culture, it is not a good thing to be poor, right? It's hard to be poor. It's not, people don't usually aspire to poverty, right? Yet we see in God's word that to be poor is a good thing because to be poor is to admit our need, our desperation for God. To crouch low and look high at who our God is and to say, I am needy, I am desperate, I am begging for you. We are surrounded by people who are, who are poor physically, who are marginalized, who are on the outside of society. And when people are in these situations, there are literal people in the world that they're using Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. And I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it's where you have your basic needs of food, shelter, water on the bottom. And then you have your your needs for belonging, acceptance, love, to be seen and known and valued at the top. And there are people that study Maslow's hierarchy of human needs so they can spot the vulnerability, spot where there are gaps in people's needs so that they can come along and they can meet those needs for a time with the sole purpose of later exploiting that person. So they enter into relationship with someone, they build trust, they give them what they think they need or they even give them what they need, maybe not a great version of it. Maybe a relationship might not be a super healthy relationship, but maybe the person doesn't know the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationship. They just want someone to say you belong here. Or they meet their needs physically. They meet their needs financially. And then after two, three, six months, a year, all of a sudden the turn happens. And that person says, oh, do this for me. Do this for me. It's okay. It's for us. It's for our future. Carrot dangling. It's for our future. It's so we can have that house. It's so I can take care of you. And the exploitation happens. The trafficking happens. Their needs are exploited. Their vulnerabilities are exploited. And every single person in the world is vulnerable. It's not bad to be vulnerable. It's human to be vulnerable. We've all been vulnerable. We all have needs. And so the question is, are we going to, do we have the right people in our lives that are healthy and coming alongside us and helping with our needs. And spiritually, the question we have to answer is, are we going to the Lord with our needs? And are we trusting him to meet our needs? Because he says, I am here to proclaim good news to the poor. I have come to give you what you need. Everything you need is found in me. Jesus says he is the way and the truth and the life. And I was studying that a couple weeks ago and I, and I heard in my head, I am the only way. I am the truth and I am everything. I am the life. 
do we go to God for what we need? Because when we do, guess what? His spirit fills us. He sends us out into his world as his disciples, as his ambassadors. And then he can meet others' needs through us in a healthy way. And that's how we decrease abuse, exploitation, trafficking, and the other injustice issues that we have in our world today. We have the answer to, to life, to truth, to the way. Are we coming to God poor and needy, desperate for him? And are we going out and living a life that is an example of what God can do in and through us? Jesus has come to bring good news to the poor. He's come to set the captives free. Proclaim release to the captives is the next group of people. And when we look at this word release, we see that it means freedom, liberty. One commentator said that it means almost like a flowing. And I think of like a dam that, it, that breaks open and it, there's just a rushing. There's a release of freedom. And that's what Jesus says he came to do, to, to, do to, to release the captives. When we think of captives, we think of those who are taken prisoner. And when we look at human trafficking, we see that people are taken captive into manipulative relationships. And here's the hope about human trafficking being a relationship-driven crime. Human trafficking, it's a myth that this is a crime of kidnapping. It is a relationship-driven time nine times out of ten. That means that there are people, like I said, that are looking to cover vulnerabilities, to be in relationship with the sole purpose of exploiting in six months to a year. But that means that those of us who know about healthy relationship, those of us who are in the community, because here in Minnesota, we have people being trafficked 10 to 20 times every single night, and trafficking happens in every single county. We are the 13th state, according to the FBI, with human trafficking, and we're number two in online solicitation of children here in Minnesota. So when we talk about human trafficking, I'm not talking about downtown St. Paul or Minneapolis, although it's happening there too. I'm talking about in our high schools. I'm talking about in our youth groups. I'm talking about in our neighborhoods. I'm talking about online. Trafficking is happening everywhere. So are we aware of the people around us? Are we leaning in to know the people that we see on a day-to-day -day basis? Are we going a little deeper than the weather? I know the weather's deep, as I previously said. But are we going a little deeper than the weather? Are we asking people about their stories? Are we asking them about their relationships? When something doesn't seem right, are we pressing in? Are we saying, hey, can you have coffee with me? I just want to know you. How are you? What's going on? Are we creating relationships so that we have a space to talk? Not to rescue or to criticize or to shame but to have relationship, to talk about who Jesus is and what he's done for me because I'm so desperate and needy for him. Because I know what it is to be manipulated, thinking that if I do this over here, the enemy has called me to do this over here, and if I do that, that that's going to be the answer, but it never is. It's like when I was 16, I loved to shop. I still, I love to shop. I don't know. I love clothes. I love to shop. And I remember when I was 16, I would go shopping and I would buy things and I'd be like, now I'm satisfied. I will never have to shop again. <laughs> right? And then a week later, I need the next thing. And now it's like worse because we have the internet and we're constantly told what we should need. 
And I don't know what your thing is, but the, the world is telling us, the enemy is telling us we need all these things. And it's a carrot dangling and he lures us away and we get trapped in cycles thinking that we can satisfy ourselves we can go to Jesus. Are we living lives that are satisfied by Jesus? And are we going into the world as examples of those lives, of examples of what Jesus can do and wants to do in us and through us and for us? He came to bring good news to the poor and he came to bring release to the captives. He also came for the blind and it says that He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. In the Greek and Hebrew passages of this, it it talks about release from darkness or opening the eyes of prisoners. There was a trafficking survivor that I know, and she started uh, to be trafficked when she was 16-ish. And she was in her mid-40s, early to mid-40s. And she was sitting in a class for a completely other reason. And they gave a definition of what human trafficking is. This is right here in the cities. And for the first time in her life, she realized that she had been trafficked her entire life, from 16 all the way through till 40. She'd never known it before. That's a lot of people's stories who have been trafficked. They think they're just in, had a lot of bad boyfriends or they're in a bad relationship um, or they, they did it to themselves. They don't see that the person is, is controlling the strings Trafficking is three people. It is a survivor or a victim, a trafficker, and then a buyer. That's how you have trafficking. So there's always a third person that's controlling the strings. Exploitation is when you have two people. So you have the survivor, a victim, and the exploiter, and that's when something is exchanged of value um, for the abuse, whether it's sexual or labor, okay? This woman, she didn't know that she was in a situation where she was enslaved, where she was um, being exploited, where someone else was manipulating her. We can be blind to our own captivity sometimes. We can be blind to the prison that we're in. We cannot see that we're going to the same things over and over and they're not working, but it's our known. There was a long time ago, I saw a video and it was of a sting overseas. And there was these guys, and they went in to release this house, had trafficking that was happening in there. And there was a bunch of young girls. And they go in, and they break the door down, and there's all these girls. And then they hear noise, and there's a false wall that they found. And they break down the false wall, and they let these girls out. And I thought, what if those girls didn't run out? We would think they're crazy, right? Like, why would you not run to freedom when you've been trapped and enslaved? But this is what I want us to hear today. Jesus has died and rose again to set you and me free from the prisons that do not satisfy us. And are we walking in freedom? Or are we sitting in the known because it's comfortable? And I compare our spiritual journey of freedom with the journey of someone who's physically enslaved because Maybe you're like me and you can't relate to being abused or exploited. But I pray that when you see what Christ has done for you and you see the journey that we take to get free from sin and how we're so easily tricked and manipulated by the trafficker, our enemy, that you'll have a deep uh, compassion well up within you for those who are trapped 
and abuse and exploitation and unhealth that are in our communities. And if your story is one of abuse and exploitation, I just want you to hear from me. I'm sorry. And you're not alone. Because Jesus cares. He cares. And, you know, he could have revealed himself to the world in any other way. I'm always like, why didn't you, like, write it in the leaves on the trees, Lord? Then people could have just read it. But instead, he chose to leave his very spirit inside those of us who choose to follow him and choose to believe so that we would go and be his presence in the world. So it matters that we live in the freedom that was purchased for us on the cross. Lord, open our eyes to where we are blind, to the prisons that we are still living in, where we are not pursuing you and your freedom. The last group we're going to look at this morning is the oppressed. And Jesus says that he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. This word oppressed, it means shattered. It means broken to pieces. I have been shattered. I have been broken to pieces. And isn't it the gospel? Isn't it the good news, the good story of Jesus that he can take our broken pieces and somehow he can put them back together? And if that is your story, if God has done that for you in your life, Will you go share it with somebody who has a bunch of broken pieces and doesn't know how to get restoration? We have hope. We carry hope. I had a woman in my office this week who's not a believer. She's coming out of extreme abuse for her whole life. She was telling me about a person that she has been caring for. It's been in her care. And this person seems hopeless. Just a lot of abuse, a lot of trauma, a lot of bad choices, bad, not good. And she's telling me, this person, it's hopeless. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, it sounds hopeless. (laughs) Except I have the Holy Spirit in me going, but it's never hopeless, right? It's never hopeless. So I said, can I pray for you? And she looked at me and she said, nobody's ever prayed for me before. And I was like, okay, well, here we are. So I prayed for her, and we just kind of looked at each other, and then we moved on with our conversation. And it's so interesting to me, you guys, because 10 years ago, when I learned about human trafficking, I was wrestling with this question of, Lord, how do I go into the world and make disciples? Like, what does that look like for me? Show me the way. I was feeling so angsty. That, that I wasn't doing a good job. I didn't know how to go into the world and to share Jesus, the Jesus I love so much with people. I didn't know how to do that. And God, he, he revealed, told me about human trafficking and fighting human trafficking and talking to people like you about horrific things has been God's way of saying, this is how I'm going to refine you. And this is how I'm going to use you in the world to bring my kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I never would have sat across from this woman a couple days ago in my old life. Never. And now I get to 
pray with her. And I pray that I have more opportunities to share why I felt in a hopeless situation I could call on the name of my God. Jesus has come to bring good news to the poor and to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and let the oppressed go go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor was the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament was the year where slaves weren't slaves anymore. They were raised up to status of hired hands. They were given a new chance. It was a year of, of restoration. And here's the thing, and I have learned this over and over and over again. I am not any better and I am not any worse than anyone I meet ever. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. I am desperately in need of a savior and I am completely incapable of doing what he's asked me to do without him and his power of his Holy Spirit. And just because I come from a more healthy place because my parents love God and I know about healthy and unhealthy relationships doesn't mean I'm any better than someone who doesn't know about unhealthy and healthy relationships or who are manipulated or who encountered manipulative people and believe them. It's, it's human to trust. If you've trusted someone that's manipulated or exploited you, it's, you're not wrong in that. It's human to trust. And we are called by God to be ambassadors of his Holy Spirit that when people exploit trust, that we can step in and we can cover vulnerabilities and we can see the people around us and we can pray for people, and we can be examples of what restored lives and desperation for God, what that can do in our world today. We are the poor. We are the needy. We are the blind. We have lived in darkness. And we are anointed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor here in this community, here to the broken among us. Jesus is the answer. He rolls up the scroll in verse 20, and he gives it back to the attendant, and he sits down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. When I think about justice work, when I think about the anti-human trafficking work that I do, I pray that Christians are at the front line because we have the hope that everyone is so hungry for. Verses 27, 23 to the end of this part, 28, um, I just want to highlight really quick as I close. At the end of this passage, people are really angry at Jesus. It says that they are filled with rage and they want to bring him to the edge of a cliff and they want to push him off the cliff. They want to kill him. So the people in his hometown, he's with his buddies, he's with his friends, and at the end of this, they want to go push him and they they want him gone. And he escapes through the crowd. It's really cool. You can go read it this afternoon for yourselves. And you would think that the reason that they get so angry at Jesus is because he says, I just fulfilled the scripture about the Messiah. Like maybe that would be the reason that they're angry, but it doesn't seem to be. It says that they were amazed at his gracious words. Um, 
But when they start to get angry is when he says that a prophet isn't welcome in his hometown in verse 24, and that in the time of Israel with Elijah and Elisha, that both Elijah and Elisha were sent to people outside of the Jewish um, community. They were sent to a widow that wasn't a part of the Jewish community and to um, a Syrian who wasn't part of the Jewish community to perform miracles. You can go read about it. And after he says this, after Jesus reminds them, they get filled with rage and they, it's like they become a mob and they push him to the edge and they want him to, they want to kill him. And I think this is a challenge for us because they didn't like that this that this good news, that this recovery of sight to the blind, that this freedom, that this binding up of the brokenhearted, that this was for people that they didn't deem were worthy of it. They were on the outside of their community and who they knew. They didn't like it. And I think this is a challenge for us because these people in this moment, they missed Jesus because they didn't like who his message was for. And I need to challenge us to be ready and willing to go to the people who are uncomfortable for us, to go to the places that we never thought that we would go, to allow God to change our our judgments and to allow him to be the judge. It says there's one judge and one lawgiver, and I always add, and it isn't me, because I need the reminder, (laughs) right? Are we going to allow God to do this work in us? Are we allow him to, to set us free? Are we going to walk in it? Are we going to trust him as he changes us, as he fills us, as he leads us out into the world? Jesus was this beautiful example of holding truth and love and grace all intention together. Will we trust him to do that? And will we be obedient and surrendered vessels? Because I promise that when you follow Jesus, you will go to uncomfortable places with unlikely people. I never in a million years would have dreamed up or chosen my life I live today. But as I have followed Jesus step by step, I've got to see him work. And I would choose that every day. Over and over and over. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Will you see and engage with the vulnerable? Will you ask our Lord and Savior to show you where you're living in prisons and going to places that do not satisfy? Will you live free in the freedom purchased for you on the cross so that you can be an example of what freedom looks like so that you can be an ambassador of God's freedom so that you can actively be a part of bringing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? I pray it is so. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for who you are. What an honor to get to follow you, to get to be in your presence, to get to hear from you in your word. Lord, whatever it is in our lives that we keep going to, that we think is going to satisfy us apart from you, I pray that that will be broken today in Jesus' name. I pray that we will go to you and you alone for our Savior 
and our salvation and everything we need as the way and the truth and the life. And I pray that our eyes will be open and our hearts will be broken to the people who are hurting around us and who so desperately need to know you. In your name, amen.